morning, church. It's good to see all of you this morning on this Resurrection Sunday. We are so glad that you are here with us. I also want to welcome those that are with us online. We're loved that you're able to worship with us that way, uh, as well as those who are here for the very first time. So many people walking in the door for the very first time. I've got to meet a number of people today, and just so grateful that you came in here, because I know on Easter Sunday, there's a lot of reasons why people walk in the door. For some people, this is just a regular thing. We come every single Sunday. For some of you, maybe it's just been a little while. We're just really glad that you're here. Maybe some of you are here because somebody invited you. Just know we're really grateful that you're here this morning. But I also know that there's possible that that some people came in the door this morning because you're just struggling. And you're like, I don't know where else to go, and I'm going to go to church today. And just know that we're really glad you're here. Because I know people can walk in these doors with different experiences in the past. Maybe you've had a bad experience at church. Maybe you've had some rough experience, some hurt that's happened in the church. I totally get it. People can hurt people. It happens sometimes. But we're really glad that you're here. And we hope you have a good experience here this morning. But more than experiencing us in this community, our prayer is that you experience the creator God of all of the universe that loves you intimately, who cares for you deeply, and wants good for your life. I pray that you'd experience that today, all right? Well, you made it to the 10 o'clock service. Way to go, guys. You get extra credit. Good job. Okay, way to go. Made it to the 10 o'clock. I say that just to remind you that next week we're back to our normal schedule. Today we've got three services. Next week we're back to two services at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Say it out loud. 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Good job, all right? We hope that you guys can join us next Sunday. As it was mentioned, I'm kicking off a brand new teaching series next week. We're entitling You and Me. It's a series on relationship. It's not explicitly about romantic or uh, marriage relationships. It's about relationships at large. But the principles we're going to talk about over the next several weeks could totally change your marriages, your relationships, your families, your relationship with bosses and coworkers. It could ch- really help you out. And so I would encourage you to come be here a part of this. I think this is going to be something that's going to help every single one of us next Sunday. All right? Well, we are here at Easter uh, 2022, Resurrection Sunday 2022, and we celebrate a lot of things throughout the year. This is just one of the many things we celebrate, right? Uh, so how many like birthdays? You celebrate birthdays, make a big deal about birthdays. In our, in our house, we make a big deal about birthdays. We celebrate like birthday week. Sometimes it feels like birthday month. We make a big deal about birthdays. And uh, last month, if you didn't know this, I, I had a big birthday. I turned 40 last month. <laughs> Which was, was rough. It made, it my, yeah, my staff now thinks I'm real old. That's great. But my son, one of my sons came to me and, and shared this with me, and I thought it was great. He said, Dad, you're still cool. You still look cool when you wear a hat. Which was his way of saying, you're balding, Dad. That's what he was saying. He said, thank you, son. Shut up. I don't need to hear that from you. <laughs> Whatever. But that's what I, So we celebrate a lot. We celebrate... Birthdays. We had, we had a, somebody uh, celebrate their 50th anniversary this past year. We love celebrating anniversaries. That's great. We celebrated sports, right? In Minnesota, we don't have a lot of that, but right now, go Wolves. Where are the Wolves fans at? Go Wolves. That was a fun game yesterday. They're, they're looking good. I'm, I'm hopeful right now for the Wolves. We celebrate that, though, and we celebrate holidays. You know, maybe at Christmas, you know, we love to celebrate Christmas, but um, there is no bigger deal for the Christian believer, no bigger day than Easter, Resurrection Sunday. You may not know this, we talk about celebrating right here, but today there are millions, if not billions of people around the world celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are joining with the body of Christ all around the world. It's the most important day because without it, you might as well throw out Christianity. You should. Just throw it out. If this thing didn't really happen, what do I mean? Jesus came to earth, and we know the story about Jesus. He comes to earth. He's doing all the teaching. He's doing all the miracles, all this amazing stuff. But there's something that he said over and over again. He said, listen, I am going to die, 
and then I'm going to raise again to life. And his disciples followed around him, and they listened to him say this, but to be honest, they didn't understand it. Because over and over again, they, it was clear that they didn't get what he was saying. I'm sure they think, maybe this is a metaphor he's using. He liked to tell stories and parables. Maybe this is just another story he's telling. It's a parable that he's telling. We don't really know what this means. But then Good Friday comes. And Jesus is crucified, dies, and is buried. And buried with him are the hopes and the dreams of the disciples. They thought they were on the winning team. Right? They thought that Jesus was the king and they were ready to follow him into his kingdom. But now he's dead and they all fled. They're denying him. They're running and hiding so they don't get killed too. They are scared to death. And the movement that Jesus had started stopped moving. The game was over. Disciples are devastated. And it looked as though this thing called Christianity was done. But then Sunday comes. And we read about the story in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to follow along with me, it says this. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men goes on and says, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. You see, Jesus not only declared and prophesied his death and his resurrection, but he actually pulled it off. You see, you see there's, there's somebody that I heard say this one time. They said, listen, if somebody can, can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm going to go with whatever that guy says, okay? And this is how it is. When it comes to faith, we trust in a Jesus who actually raised from the dead. And hear this, seeing this resurrected Jesus with their own two eyes caused a bunch of scared disciples who were literally running for their lives to eventually turn the entire world upside down by proclaiming the resurrected Jesus. In fact, if you follow history, you can understand this. Of the 12 disciples, 11 of the disciples ultimately were martyred. They gave their lives. Did they give their lives just because they were trying to, to protect some story they made up? No, it was that they couldn't deny what they had seen with their own two eyes. The resurrected Jesus changed things. And that is what we declare. That is what we proclaim. And the whole thing, if you're honest, it seems a little crazy, doesn't it? Unless it's true. And if it isn't true, then what are we wasting our time with this morning? I don't know about you, but there's nothing in inherently great about just showing up to church if we're all believing something that didn't actually happen. The Apostle Paul actually talks about this. You know who Paul is? Uh, you know, we, we, he wrote, you know, two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, uh, he was the guy who was trying to kill all the Christians, if you know that. He, he was trying to end Christianity. He thought this whole Jesus thing was the wrong way. He's trying to stop them. He's arresting them. In fact, he's heading to another city to go round up more Christians to throw into jail. And on his way there, you know what doesn't happen? Somebody doesn't sit down and give him a track or 
preach a good sermon to him or try and convince him of anything. No, he comes face to face with the resurrected Jesus. And in a moment, he goes from being the greatest persecutor of the church to the greatest missionary and advocate the church has ever seen. And when Paul talks about the resurrection and the importance of this moment in time, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. See, Paul goes on and says this. He says, there are hundreds of people that you can go talk to because they saw it. This isn't some fable. This isn't some story that was made up. This is a reality that you can depend on. He gives the names. He said, go ask them. They have seen it. The resurrection is important. This day matters. Why? Because the entirety of our Christian faith hangs on this moment, the resurrection. Hear this. The source of our faith and the source of our hope is not in a ritualistic system or religious text. It's not in our abilities to be good people or our abilities to overcome whatever moral deficiencies we struggle with. The foundation of our faith is a savior and king who died, was buried, and rose again to overcome the power of sin, death, and the grave. And Paul said it this way. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory where oh death is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ that's where our hope is it's in Christ in Christ alone and the same Jesus who rose from the dead today offers every single one of us an invitation but what's the invitation to what's he inviting us to It's to something much, much better. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This is the spiritual reality of everyone who is in Christ. It isn't whether you feel like you're a new creation. The spiritual reality is you are a new creation in Christ. This is the thing that Christ invites us into. This is what he offers to us. And I think it's good news for most of us. Because if you're like me, there's so many of us that walk around anything but new. We walk around just overwhelmed with experiences. We walk around with pain. Some of you walked in the door this morning with hurt. You walk around with fear. You don't know what's going on in life. You feel overwhelmed. You walk around with regret. Maybe with disappointment. Some of us Walk around with just frustration. You're frustrated with the world around you. You're frustrated with people around you. You're frustrated with yourself. You're frustrated with the things just haven't worked out the way that you wanted them to. Maybe you can resonate with some of that. And on a weekly basis, I got people that walk in these doors that are looking for something because they know there's something missing in their lives. They try to cover it up. They try to ignore it, but they know there has to be something more. Maybe you can relate to that. You see, this is what Jesus came to proclaim. He came to invite us into something new. The good news of the gospel is this. If anyone is in Christ, let's go back to the previous scripture. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? To be in Christ, number one, means to believe in Jesus. Right To believe in his death and his resurrection. To believe that he is Lord and King. To believe who he is. But it's more than just believing because the book of James says this. Even the demons believe. Even the demons believe. 
Believing is one thing. What do the demons don't do? They don't submit. And see, for us, it's more than just believing in Christ. To be in Christ means I believe in you and I submit my life to you. I don't just say you're king and Lord. I make you my Lord and my king. That's what it means to be in Christ. And the good news for those of us who say we are in Christ says he or she is a new creation. You are brand new. It's the gift of being in relationship with Christ. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be made new? I want to look at three words here just for about three minutes here. Three words. The first word is this. To be made new means you are purified. You're purified. We all got junk in our past we're ashamed of. We all do. We got stuff that we wish we had never done. Stuff that we still sometimes engage in that we wish we don't do, right? We all have that. And the good news of the gospel is that when we are in Christ, we are purified. We are washed clean. We are made new. And that's good because some of you wish you could get rid of it. Here, the good news for you is the slate can be cleaned this morning. Those things that you will regret, those things that you wish could go away, in Christ, those things can be made new. You can be purified in Christ. But more than just purified, you can be restored. Restored. See, through Christ, we have a restored relationship with God. Our sin separates us from the Father, both now and for all eternity. And that's not good news for us. That doesn't end well. But in Christ, we have restored relationship with God. We have access to the Father, both now and for all eternity. But more than just this restoration here, He can actually restore your life. Because there's things in your life where you got chains, chains of addiction, chains of brokenness that you desperately need broken. Christ came to restore you, to make you whole. That's what's available. And some of you desperately need that today. But we're purified. We're restored. And the third is this. We are redeemed. And this might be my favorite word in all of Scripture, the idea of being redeemed. Uh, how many out there like ice cream? You like ice cream? Okay. That's good. I mean, like the kids' meal at Culver's because you get the free ice cream. Right? I'm talking about. We're all kids. It's Okay. <laughs> I still buy them. It's fine. <laughs> but you know what the best part about the Culver's Kids Meal is, right? You, got that, you get to peel that little coupon off the back of the thing, right? See, this is what it means to be redeemed. They will redeem that coupon for an ice cream cone. What happens? You bring your coupon. They buy your coupon back at the price of an ice cream cone. And see, this is what redemption is. Christ will buy back the junk from your past and do something beautiful with it. See, it's not just that God will purify you and restore you, but, you know, from now on, everything's going to be okay. But all that stuff back there, ooh, it's still stuff that you don't want to talk about and don't want to. No, if you will put yourself into Christ's hands, he will make that stuff new too. Those hurts, those pains, those things you're embarrassed by, he will take it and do something to demonstrate his glory. I have seen it happen in my life, in my wife's life, and in so many of your life that he doesn't leave us. He will take that and make it new everything. It's the whole shebang. There's no just partial being made new in Christ. And that's what's available to every single one of us this morning. That's what Christ invites us into, something better. So I want to get to our big so what. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else I tell you today, I want you to remember this. Christ rose so you could too. Christ rose so you could too. His desire isn't for you to sit and stay where you are. He wants to do something new in you. In the areas in your life where you feel dead and broken, Christ wants to breathe his resurrection power and life again and do a new work, and it is available to every one of you. I want you to hear a story here this morning 
of someone in our congregation, Robbie, who's experienced this new life. And I think his story is going to speak to you and challenge you this morning. Listen to this. So my name is Robbie. I'm from uh, Bay Area, California. Um, moved out to Minnesota in 2015. From a broken home, my mom and dad got a divorce uh, when I was two years old. My father, my whole father's side of the family, alcohol, drugs kind of riddled uh, their lives. And so my mom made a decision that she wasn't gonna be with him. And so it was just my mom and I for a long time. My mom got remarried and uh, my stepdad was um, Militant, kind of the opposite of my biological father, um, ended up coming to a place where their relationship wasn't healthy. Um, my mom ended up divorcing him. And shortly around there, we went through a lot of death in my family. Um, my biological father had passed away. Uh, and all at the same time, I was kind of venturing into the high school uh, world. And so naturally, I was kind of more exposed to drugs and alcohol. And I began to use those things as, um, at first, experiment and fun and whatever else comes with that. And uh, eventually I found that they did something for me. They kind of helped mask some shame and some pain in my life. Very quickly I found that, 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 that I was burning bridges and that this was a very destructive thing and that I wasn't no longer choosing this, but that I would actually become a slave to this thing. And my mom had already, always given me the option. She said, when you're done, when you're really done, um, you can go to Teen Challenge. So eventually I, I come, came to that place and I called my mom and I said, I'm, I can't do this anymore. And she said, okay, I'll call you back. She called me back and said, your plane leaves in four hours. And, and there I was, I was on a plane to Washington State to go to Teen Challenge. When I got there, uh, I detoxed really bad. I came off of the, the, the stuff that I was on in, in a bad way and ended up, uh, long story short, I ended up in, in a psychiatric unit. From the hospital, I was admitted to a psych unit and I was court ordered in there for 14 days. And uh, while they're doing their evaluations, I still have the papers that says that, you know, I'm gravely disabled, mentally insane. They told my mom I would maybe never be the same from the seizures and all the stuff that I was suffering in my detox. And then one day while I was doing arts and crafts, um, all of a sudden, what I would explain is the grace of God kind of restored me in a way. And um, I pushed myself away from the table and I looked around and I was like, how, how did I get here? I walked to my room and on my bed was a New Testament Bible. And it's a secular program. I have no idea who put it there to this day. Um, but I opened it up and I flipped to the first red letters. I didn't know what they meant, but I just felt like they must be important because they were red. I ended up in Matthew chapter five, the first uh, sermon that Jesus ever preached. And uh, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. And, and there's something about that, that sermon that as I read it, um, it just brought me into reality. The more I read it, the more I found myself being grounded in, in, in just in reality. And uh, I just wept. I just wept. I didn't know how I'd gotten there. Um, it was just a lot of years of pain that I was trying to mask. And I didn't really know what to do with it, right? I, I read this thing and, and it was kind of bringing me into reality and the next thing you know, I just really wanted a cigarette. You know, that's, that was kind of the next thought. Something in that message, something in what I was reading in that sermon on the mount was, was the beginning of a change for me. And from there, I ended up going back to Teen Challenge and uh, 
beginning this journey with God and it was pretty rough. It, it wasn't just like this perfect lineup towards heaven. It, it was definitely this weird rocky road of trying to figure out what, what this relationship with Jesus looks like. I've been saved by grace. There's nothing that I did. I'm not special in any way. Like, I just believed Jesus, right? Like, the scripture says, you know, believe upon me and rivers of living water will flow out of you. And I was kind of cornered into a position where it's like, believe or die. And I, I said, okay, like, I believe, I believe. We, we can't manifest the fruits of the Spirit. They're the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, gentleness. That's not something I'm ever gonna be able to produce. It's what I, I was trying to find in the world through drugs and women and money and everything else. That's, a, that's something that only the Holy Spirit can produce in my life. So if you feel bankrupt, if you feel empty, if you don't feel like you have life in you, that's okay. Go to the one who does. I don't think that I've done anything particularly great to be in the position to receive grace. I think that he holds me and says, look at how far my grace goes. This is how far, so all of the kingdom goes, whoa, even that guy's gonna make it into the kingdom? And it's like, yes, because of how good Jesus is, not because about how good I am. And so if you don't feel um, like you have that, you don't. It comes from him and he'll hold you up and you let him hold you and he'll show everyone else in heaven and everyone else for all of eternity, this is how far the love and the mercy and the grace of God goes. We only have to let him hold us. That's all we're called to do. By God's grace, I've been sober for 11 years. I haven't had to have a drink or a drug. And, and for 11 years, I've been wrestling with him and what it looks like to walk uh, with him. And, and a lot of times, I don't feel like I'm crushing it. And a lot of times, I'm embarrassed by some of the actions and some of the things that I say and some of the things that I find myself doing. But what I have to come back to over and over again is that his grace is sufficient for me and that his power is made perfect in my weakness. And so when I can come to that humble place of saying, yeah, here I am again, and I need you, and I let him hold me again, then I recognize, I remember what it's all about. Um, it's about his goodness, not my own. It's a powerful story. And there's another story that we see in the Old Testament. But God takes the prophet Ezekiel, and he takes him to this valley Ordinarily in a valley, what do you see? Flowers and beautiful grass and all this kind of stuff. But this valley was different. It was filled with dry bones. Completely dry bones. It was filled with death and darkness. But God begins to do a miracle in this valley. In these bones that are decaying and there, he begins to bring them together. And he begins to allow ligaments and tendons to start forming and suddenly he begins to put muscle on these bones and then eventually wraps flesh and these things that were once bones are now these bodies but they still have no life in them and suddenly God breathes the breath of life in these, this valley that was once filled with a bunch of dark dead bones erupts with an army filled with life. And see, I believe this is a picture, just like Robbie's life, this is a picture of what God desires to do in every single one of us. In the places of our lives, and some of you, you would say, you know what, I'm not Robbie. Like, I, I don't have addiction issue, maybe. I, maybe that's not how I am. But wherever it is, there are areas of your life that are dead, and God wants to breathe his life into you. Whatever your story is, whatever your background is, apart from Christ, we are spiritually bankrupt. But in Christ, we can be made alive. 
He did it for Robbie. He's done it for so many of us. And there are some of you here today, God wants to do it in your life as well. We all know the scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is available. Being made new is available. The question is, will we respond? Jesus said this in Revelation chapter 3. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The question is, will we open the door? Now, for some of us here, you're a follower of Christ. You follow Jesus. But I want to I talk to you for a moment because I think it's very easy to follow Christ, to say we're in Christ, but not to live the new life God's provided for us. Oh, we've been made new, we've been washed, all this kind of stuff, but we keep going back and playing in the mud. We keep going back to the things from the past. We keep going, digging ourselves into areas where are like, ah, I probably shouldn't engage here. Rather than living where God has placed us, right, we live down to the level of everyone around us. Rather than saying, God, I'm a son and a daughter of the King of Kings, and I've been given that position and living that way. No, we live like everybody else does. And I think this morning God would say, listen, I didn't die and raise to, to life so that you could keep going back to the mud. No, I've called you to something better, to live in the fullness of the life I've given you. And every one of us, I'm challenging you that you would step up, that we would begin to live in the fullness, in the reality. Believe the truth, not believing the lie. Right? But there's some of you here this morning, as there was in the first service, many people in the first service, who whether it's for the very first time or for the first time in a long time, you need to surrender your life to Christ. You need to be made new. You need a new experience with Christ. You don't know that you have a relationship with God. You've never had that experience of giving your life, or maybe it's been a long time and you've been walking away. This morning is an opportunity for you to make the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. No matter where you're at, no matter what your age, what your stage of life, Christ says, I'm here. Will you open the door and let me in? I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes across the room? Father, we thank you so much. You are constantly pursuing us. You are constantly providing for us. When we, we go the wrong way sometimes, you're still calling us back to yourself. And we thank you for that, God. God, I thank you for those here who are committed followers of Christ. But God, we know that there's some of us that, that although we're committed, there are still times we're going the wrong way. Father, right now, we just ask your forgiveness for running away for lowering ourselves to stuff that's so less than what you have for us. Lord, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to every one of our hearts in the areas in our life where maybe we need to lay some things out. There's maybe some areas where we need to turn away from some things. And once again, step into the fullness of the new life you've given us. God, I pray today that we wouldn't just celebrate the hoopla of Resurrection Sunday, but we would allow the power of the resurrection to actually transform our Monday morning tomorrow. May we live different because of it, we pray in the name of Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed in the room this morning, I know there are some, as I shared, so many in the first service, there are some of you here this morning, you need to make a first-time decision or you need to make a first-time decision in a long time. Uh, you need to respond to Christ, to rededicate your heart to Christ. And I know that for some of you, that's a hard thing to even think about. Because if you're like me, I've been at this place in my life in the past where there's times where I feel like I've run away and it's like, I don't know if God would have me back. Listen, if the God of heaven would go take a cross on your behalf, there's no distance. He wouldn't tra travel to reach you again. 
And if you are willing to surrender your heart to him today, you can have a clean slate. You can have a fresh start. God can do something in your heart that you desperately crave, but it happens no other way but through submission to him. With every head bow and every eye closed this morning, I'm going to ask you if you are ready to make a first time or a recommitment to Christ, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand across the room and say, that's me. I need to respond to Jesus today. I need to respond to him today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give a moment. Yeah. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I don't want to rush this moment. This is the most important moment of your day and possibly your life. I would encourage you just to respond. If you're with us online, I would encourage you just to respond in your own heart as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask everyone in the room if you would pray with me, uh, repeat after me. But if you are lifted a hand, I would just encourage you to pray this with all of your heart. Would you respond to Christ? But everyone, would you pray out loud, Dear Jesus, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for dying and raising to life. I admit that I'm a sinner, I admit that I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I believe that he's coming again. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I declare Jesus the Lord of my life. Would you make me new? Help me to live for you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.